Hey, everybody. Welcome to What's It Like Podcast with Stacy and Emily. I'm Stacy, And I'm Emily. Hey, so we said we were done with season two and we we're taking a break for December. Yes. But, but surprise. surprise. <laughs> we have one more <laughs> podcast that we feel like it's important to push out into the world this this week today. So yeah. So listeners, last week I was in Brazil. Stacy was working out, and we got information that there had been an officer involved shooting at our kids' high school. Mm-hmm. And um, just crazy, you know, every worst nightmare that you can have as a parent. I was freaking out of the country. Yeah, that that would be nuts. It and was nuts. There was a good half hour, forty minute window where parents didn't know. We knew that something had gone down, but no one knew exactly what. Um, yep. And it was just traumatic for our whole community. And then as things like this often do, it also brings people together and it creates a huge sense of um, just unity and support. Yeah. And that's been really cool to watch happen. So So for a couple things, like my kiddos, I was out of the country. I had friends step up really quickly Mm -hmm. to remember to get my kids. We had friends texting, how can I help? Can I take food over to your family? Do your kids need rides? Um, you had people reaching out to you. You know, we just oh my like. Gosh. Well, my first thing was after hearing was texting my girlfriends who have kids at that high school yeah. and being like, are, you, are your kids okay? And are you okay? And what yeah. do you need? And yeah. And just, then in the aftermath, it's been so cool. The next day, school was canceled. The YMCA opened up for free mm-hmm. for any kid. And then I saw, I don't know if you saw this, but like Jimmy John's donated lunch that day. And like people just dropped off granola bars and snacks. That's so awesome. that kids who don't get fed outside of school, but they could come to the Y and they could get fed that day. That's and amazing. People, teachers from other schools were wearing our school colors. And yeah. it just has it really has brought our community together. It has. Those darkest moments tend to um, just bring out sometimes the best in people, which yeah, is encouraging. And, and we, everyone needed that. Totally. And we get to positively say nobody died in this yeah. accident. And so that, or not accident, incident. Um, so that is helpful, obviously, mm-hmm. in recovery as well. An but officer the, we think, thankfully, is out of the hospital and recovering. And yeah, we're really so. Thankful. So the cool part, yes, right? is that we had this interview with um, Officer Deanna Brandle. She is a school resource officer in our district. She's a woman on the police force. And I remember approaching her at a football game this past fall saying, oh, my gosh, you would be really fun to have on the podcast. Yeah, you called me. What, what, wouldn't it be cool to do? What's it like to be a woman police officer? And yeah. I was like, get her on the schedule. Awesome. Yeah. So I think in early November, we confirmed that she, we were going to be doing this interview with her this week in December. Yep. And then... Fate just had it that it happened, you know, a week after this incident at Oshkosh West. So we were not going to air this podcast, guys, till season three, which is going to kick off after the first of the year. But we were so encouraged by our conversation with Deanna, and we feel so much love for the Oshkosh Police Force and our school resource officers that we just kind of want to keep that feeling going and share the love. So totally. I was, I shared this quote with you just a little bit ago, Stace, but um, I saw this on. Facebook this week. It's a quote from Mr. Rogers. P.S. If you have you seen the Mr. Rogers no, movie? No, but yet? it's on my list. Oh, my mom and the girls and I went uh, over Thanksgiving, and five minutes into it, I was like, "Oh, oh Ellie and Hannah are going to hate me because this is super slow." Yeah, and they don't even know who Mr. Rogers is. Like, you know, they didn't watch him, right? And they, in the end, were like, "That was an amazing movie. We oh, all cool. cried. It was awesome." Um, but I saw this quote from Mr. Rogers, and I think it fits with why we're putting this uh, podcast out early. It says, I believe that appreciation is a holy thing, that when we look for what's best in a person we happen to be with at the moment, we're doing what God does all the time. So in loving and appreciating 
appreciating our neighbor, we're participating in something sacred. And I think putting this a podcast out today is our way of appreciating uh, the police officers in our neighborhood, our community mm-hmm. that has pulled together and the way that I think we just get to do what God does when we appreciate uh, our neighbors. And so absolutely. This- and Deanna, you guys will love hearing from her. Mm-hmm. She has really cool insight and she really, really loves her job as a school resource officer. And she loves the way that she gets to see the best in her students and mm-hmm. in the schools and the partnership that goes along with that. So you guys are going to love this podcast. Yep. Hey, Merry Thanks. Christmas also. Yeah, Thanks for Merry listening. Merry Christmas, everybody, and um, have a happy new year. This really is our last one for season two, so we'll see you guys in 2020. Yay. Thanks for listening. Well, welcome, Deanna. We're so happy that you're here. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. It's a freezing cold day out, and you came out on it a is. freezing cold day. It, it is. It's hard not to just put my pajamas on and stay at home. I know. I feel like we should offer you a glass of <laughs> yeah. wine, especially because you said that if you drink wine, you talk more freely. Right, no, we're good <laughs> with the water. <laughs> so, listeners... Um, Officer Randall has, you know, obviously because of her job, she has certain things that she can't talk about, which we're going to respect. And so um, we're just excited to have you here. And I think really cool, mainly that you, um, you know, are a woman and you're in the police force and, Mm -hmm. and you have a really cool eye on our city that way as well as in our school. So that's kind of the main reason that Mm -hmm. we were excited to have you on and talk today. Yeah. So how long have you been a police officer? So I started in January of 2000. So okay. next month will be 20 years for me. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, it's a long time. Why yeah. police officer? Like, was that a childhood thing? Was um, it- I think that, no. To be to, Honestly, I was going to go to law school after I got oh. my bachelor's degree. Okay. Um, and as part of my bachelor's degree in sociology and Spanish um, at UW-Madison, they made you do an internship. And so I interned with a police department at oh. home, which was Sheboygan, okay. and did that for a summer between mm-hmm. my junior and senior year in college mm-hmm. and really liked it. Hmm. Um, I think I've always been like interested in detective shows and stuff yes. like that. And so um, after getting my bachelor's degree and getting done in four years, I just kind of wanted to like not go to school for a while. And yep. so my plan yep. was to work in law enforcement for a couple years and then go back to law school. Okay. And that, so, and that just <laughs> and then it just failed huh? that way. I just stayed. Yeah. yeah. So did you, were you a police officer at first in Sheboygan? No, I, that's just where I'm from. So okay. I interned at their police department while living at home that yeah, summer. Yeah. And then you got your job here. And then I got my job here. So, so you've, you've been, been with the Ashkosh Police Force. Since the beginning of my wow. career. Yes. Wow. That's a big deal. And, and you mentioned your husband's officer as well. Yes. Did you meet here? We did. Okay. Yes. Was he already a police officer? He was, or? yeah. He's a little bit older than me and had been at the department a couple of years. Okay. So okay. this was a workplace romance. Yes, it was. How did that go down? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't suggest it, but it was fine. We worked on the same shift and very quickly in my career, um, or I should say very quickly after we began dating I moved out of patrol which is where he was at and moved into the detective bureau as a school resource officer so our jobs are based out of the detective bureau so we were pretty distanced at work um pretty early on in our careers. So yeah, it's good. not like you were partners driving in no, the we car together. No, we were not. He was no. our boss. Though so that's where we started. We started on night shift together. Oh, really? So, yeah. Is that sort of where a police officer starts? Yeah, that's night a good shift. question. Yeah, so we have three shifts. It's all by seniority. So okay. most of the day shift officers will be the older officers. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of depends um, between second and third shift, what yeah. the shift needs or what it's looking like when we hire. So pretty much you're starting in the middle of the night no matter what. Yep. Does anybody choose, like any senior officers choose that on purpose? Is there something? Sometimes they will stay there longer than they have to yeah. um, because of family members and stuff. But they, 
you know, most people want to get to day shift by the time they've been working for 10 years or 15 years or however long it takes to get there. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. I think the crazy people come out at night too, right? Yeah. They at do. least in my life, it feels like things are crazy at night. Yeah. And that's what you like when you first start. <laughs> You're like, I want all the action. So everyone wants to work those shifts really when oh, they really? begin. Oh, mm-hmm. really? The overnight <laughs> yeah. ones. Well, is, yeah, pat- is patrol entry level, like when you first join the police force, yes. if you have no experience, are you coming in? On patrol. On patrol, which those are the people that I'm seeing in the police cars patrolling the streets. Right. Responding to calls for service is really Okay. So when we call 911, it's a patrolman who's going to come. Yes. Okay. That's interesting. I've been wondering about this different times, mostly when I get pulled over. Um, Are you just sitting in a spot waiting and looking or are you driving around? It depends. It depends on the shift. It depends on the time of day. Um, Sometimes we have certain specific areas that we're told to patrol because there's been something's happening activity or, or lots of activity going on. Sometimes you just happen to be there and you see a violation. Yeah. Um, mm. Sometimes it's a slow night. And so you're looking for something else to do and right. you, you run traffic. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean, in a city like Ashkosh on second shift and the, the beginning of night shift and most of day shifts, I mean, there are calls coming out all day long. So okay. the number of hours that we really have available to run Traffic are pretty limited yeah. compared to some other communities. Got it. So, so this is big enough town where there is action. You guys action. see stuff go yes. down. So it means if I get pulled over because somebody was shooting a radar gun at me, it means some, it's a boring day in Oshkosh. It could either yeah. be that. It could be that they're specifically looking for you. No, I'm just yeah, kidding. Yeah. Um, that we've been assigned to do patrol in that area. So yeah. we take citizen complaints. That is our focus, oh, right? Okay. Communities, yeah. making communities happy. So if you called and said, I'm really mad on Leonard Point Road, there's traffic every night at 5 o'clock and my and people almost speed and they're crazy. Then our mm-hmm. department would assign us to go there because oh, they it. want to make sure that we're serving the community. So all I have to do is make that phone call because well, you ask. That's absolutely. <laughs> yeah. that's we live in the county, so I don't know if that's okay. going to be a little bit different. We wouldn't be over here, but yeah. Okay, so this is the other question. Are there a quota of a certain amount of speeding tickets you have to get? No, every in month? fact, I think I believe when I started, that's a myth. Then, and yeah. I don't do. I don't really yeah. do traffic anymore okay. because I work in the school. Yeah. But when I started, that was like against the law to have quotas yeah. at a oh. police department. Okay. Um, now we do have what our department would call is showing that you're being busy and doing stuff as yeah, an officer. Yeah. Sure. Which is, you know, it's so you have not to show some productivity, right. but you, okay. You have to show that you're doing something. So right. you're not just, you're not on an abandoned road taking a nap. Exactly. You're actually doing a job. Right. Yes. Or eating donuts. Do you right. just love the donut myth? I, you know, I ate more donuts when I got to a school than I ever ate in the police <laughs> oh, department. There's food all over in a school. That so. sounds like a doctor's office yeah. too. I yeah. used to be a drug rep and that's how we would get access to doctor's offices is we food. bring food and generally treats in. Yeah. So my husband's always like, there's always food yeah. inside. That's amazing. Um, Crazy. So how did you choose to be a school resource officer? So I guess in all, so going back to where, where I wanted to go with my life, when I was in high school, we had a really active, um, it was at that time it was a liaison officer. That title has changed though. It's the same thing. Okay. Um, whose name was Bruce Christensen. He worked for Sheboygan South High School Mm -hmm. and he did a number of different clubs and he was just a really cool guy. So I, we spent a lot of time hanging out with him or being a part of the groups that he was a part of. So, I mean, he was another influence for sure. And I knew once I was going to stay at a police department that that was like going to be the focus of my career that I wanted to work in a school. Cool. And you were telling Emily and I earlier, you've got kids in the Oshkosh Mm -hmm. school district. Yep. 
And so was there ever a time you're at tip, you're a school resource officer at Tipler. Yep. That's not where your kids go. I, I, so I work at Tipler and South Park. Oh, you do? Um, okay. Yes. And no, they don't go there. However, their elementary school was supposed to feed into one of those middle schools. And mm-hmm. I had set them up pretty early that you're probably not going to go to the middle school that all your friends are going to go to because I, I just didn't want them where I was at. Yes. And so that was a big, I remember two Christmases, fourth grade and fifth grade year. All we want for Christmas is to go to middle school with our friends. And they, oh, no. it was horrible. And I'm like, you're going to be fine. I promise. Oh. And so then when we opened and rolled them and we ended up moving, which was good. Okay. Um, they had to go to a different middle school that I wasn't at and they were okay with that. They, That's okay. good. They made it so you actually did not want them at the I school. I did not want them at my school. Just Why? Um, because of the role that I play, mm-hmm. um, which I guess gets into like where, what I do, mm-hmm. um, our positions are out of the detective bureau. So there's five school resource officers in Oshkosh. Okay. okay. Two of them are assigned full-time at the high schools and the remaining three of us split the five, ele- five middle schools and also the elementary schools. Okay. So the middle school positions are, are, are quite a bit different than the high school positions. Okay. The high school positions, which I actually did work a couple of years at North as well, are very mm-hmm. much more like patrol. They're very reactive, um, taking calls and responding to them and more yeah. And who are they based. taking calls from? From the school or whatever's going on in okay. the school. So there's a kid that there's a fight won't leave. That. There's a fight. There's okay. vaping. There, you know, whatever it is. We've oh. got someone who's threatening to harm themselves. We've yes. got harassment at home. We've got someone complaining they have bruises. Whatever may come up in oh. that moment, mm-hmm. you're dealing with that. And there's enough in a high school the size of, you know, North and West that yes. it's very consistent. Okay. Uh, and are those schools, resource officers at the school? Like, is their office there? Yes. Or? They, they have their offices at the school. We okay. all have like a briefing in the morning. So, I mean, we base our day at the Ashkosh Police Department, get our duty belts and our squad cars okay. and load up for the day and figure oh. out what we need to know and then go to the school and then end the day at the police department as well. Oh, you do. So start and end mm. at the police department. But yep. the rest of the time, do, you, or do most schools give you a special space yes. to operate? Yeah, we all of? have okay. an office. Okay. Yep. That's interesting. I don't know why that seems surprising to me, but I just kind of thought it was like, oh, I just go to the school. Pop in and out. They're really still connected to the police police department. department. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Because we have to, you know, all the other officers are, you know, they have a briefing before every shift and they know who's been arrested. And there's a lot of things that happen at night or on the weekends with our kids Mm -hmm. that affect them in school. And so it's important that we kind of know what's going on. And I would imagine you have siblings in one school that are connected to a different school. And absolutely. Sure. So yep, you were yeah. saying that's the high school role is kind of reactive. So yes. how is middle school? So and I different? shouldn't say that completely because the high school people do get a chance to get into the classrooms. And okay. if you have been to West, Officer Wissing and Officer Gogo at North, or uh, Officer Seaholm who used to be at North would play his guitar in the <laughs> um, in the cafeteria, and Wissing will ride this bike that he painted. So they they get involved, but yes. they just have a lot more going on on sure. a day to day basis. So the middle school positions are half time at each school. Okay. Um, we are responsible also to do dare. So we go into the elementary oh, schools okay. and we do the fifth grade dare. Okay. Um, which is a cool way to get to know the kids before they get into middle school. Yes. Mm-hmm. We do a little bit in the health classes, um, specifically seventh grade health, talking about hmm. um, drugs and alcohol and-, and mostly sexual assault laws is kind of where oh, we go. Okay. So okay. When they're talking about, you know body parts and right that's right well since we're talking about that let's talk about what's legal and what's not yes um and then in addition the the part that I missed when I left the elementary or the middle schools to go to the high school for a period of time was the investigation so we get assigned 
most of the cases that involve children as victims of crime. So any cases that you would think social services would investigate, mm-hmm. yeah. child abuse, sexual assault, we investigate them with those with them. Okay. Oh, so okay. that is a, and we tend to get more of those investigations with the little kids because mm-hmm. they're less able to defend themselves Absolutely. or than the older kids. Um, hmm. So that's kind of how mm. our jobs are different. That's not to say the high school positions don't get those cases too, because they do. Right. Yeah. Um, we just tend to get a lot more of them in the elementary school and the middle school. So wow. you like the piece where you are really able to advocate for the kids. And yes. Like, and yes. work with the families. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So that opens up a whole can of worms of questions that I yeah. have because yeah. it's, you know, you hear that and, and you... We, Emily and I, over the course of this podcast, we've interviewed some people and talked to some people, a mental health counselor. We've interviewed a woman who um, is the head of Damascus Road, which is a sex trafficking, yep. as you know, um, a, an organization to combat sex trafficking in the Fox Valley. Yes. So we're just, our eyes are being opened mm-hmm. to that kind of thing. And yeah. I'm, so many people don't know that it's happening right under their noses. So yeah. can you tell me, can you tell us like what, Give us an example of something that you've had to investigate. So like a lot of times our cases, kids feel if they're not safe at home, the next place they feel the most safe is at school. So if something's going on at school, generally they will share that with somebody or something's going on at home, they'll share that with somebody at school. So all of the school personnel are mandated reporters. So if there's any concerns about abuse or neglect or sexual assault, they're mandated to report that. They'll make a report to CPS and then CPS screens it over to us. And that's how we would come into play sometimes they call us and me the schools you know I've been working in the schools for so many years that I have a relationship with all five elementary schools that feed into my middle schools too Mm -hmm. so that's Roosevelt and Franklin and Jefferson and Shapiro and used to be Smith now it's not anymore yeah um I feel like I'm forgetting one well anyhow any of the south side elementary schools and so sometimes they will just call me specifically okay um just to say hey we heard this one on this weekend but we're not sure if the police were involved and check Mm -hmm. up on things like that too because a kid will come and tell their teacher yeah this happened this weekend or whatever and they're like we just want to make sure that was reported or that somebody came over and yes so we work really closely with the counselors and social workers um in those schools as well but otherwise we'll get a cps report we'll make contact with social services and decide if it's going to be a joint investigation or if one of us should should take it and then kind of okay. go from there. It's amazing to think yeah. of all the different players that are part of protecting kids that yeah. way. And it makes me yeah. feel really proud of, yeah. I don't know, our school district and just th- so grateful that there's so many eyes watching our children and yeah. caring about enough about them to mm-hmm. to do that stuff. Yeah. So uh, as a school resource officer, part of the detective, what did you say, the detective branch? The det- yeah. But we actually, it's called the criminal investigation Division. That's what you fall under. That's what we fall under. Okay. Yes. So you get, let's say you get a, um, this kid said that their dad was hitting them this weekend. Mm-hmm. What do you do? So we would initially make contact with the people who reported it to begin with. What yeah. do you know? What did you see? Okay. And then it just kind of depends on the situation. One of the things that I was trained in pretty early on in my career was being a forensic interviewer, which hmm. is a really specific way to interview children. Okay. Um, and, and we... So like if patrol goes out on a child abuse complaint, they'll get the very limited information from the kid. Yeah. Little kids. Teenagers are different, but little kids. Um, And really that's not to, it's because we don't want to skew the investigation. Right. Um, Kids are very suggestive. So if you say, who hit you there, mom or dad? And and really they just fell. Sometimes they just want to give you the right answer. Yeah. Right. So we, we interview them in a way that's very, um, 
open-ended and they lead lead it, but we do it in a pretty sterile environment. So generally speaking, we use the Child Advocacy Center up in Nina. They have an interview room. It's recorded. Some of that is for court purposes as well. So if we think it's going to be an investigation which might lead to an arrest, we'll always do a forensic interview. Okay. Uh, And that usually doesn't happen that day. That'll be scheduled. Now if it's... I was thinking when you said forensic, that would mean like taking... Samples or whatever. Yeah, no, you're just saying the we way have that the option them. to do that at the center as well because okay. there is a a nurse there. So if it was a sexual assault and we think there may be physical evidence, they can they can do okay um, that kind of. But a forensic exam. Um, interview is a way of you're saying it's a, a way, way of way interviewing. Of interview. hmm. okay, that makes sense to me. That is interesting. Yeah. And is that a specialty that you got because of your job? Yes, I, I well, you have to want to do it um, okay. because not everyone. It's really hard to do, actually, as a police officer. Most of the social workers that do it are much better at it because our job is all about who, what, where, when, and why and asking a lot of questions. Yeah, and yeah. you can't do that when you do a forensic interview. You have to kind of like let them lead, yeah. even though you know from a criminal perspective, where do I need to go to get this case in right. court? So it's very difficult. But yes, sure. it has helped me just learn how to talk to kids in general a mm-hmm. little bit better yeah. um, and listen to what they're saying. Yeah, it might help me in talking to my own kids yeah. at home and get information <laughs> yeah. out of them. Right. Open-ended questions. <laughs> I ask them questions and they're like, no, yeah. fine, nothing. Yep. <laughs> it's, so, it's all tell me about. Tell me about. Well, and tell I'm sure after that. all your years, can you? are you pretty good at detecting when someone's not telling the truth? Some people are really good at not telling the truth. So I wouldn't say that mm-hmm. I'm an expert lie detector mm-hmm. or anything. Mm-hmm. But I do think that I have maybe... When I work with counselors and social workers, I can see that I do have some skills in that area because they tend to be more believing of stuff than I am. Okay. The weird thing is, is that everyone, kind of everyone, even if they didn't do anything wrong, like have a different version of like where the story's at. And it's usually somewhere like in the middle, right? Right. So you just know that going in that everyone perceives what happened a bit different and you got to get all sides of the story and try to piece it together. Well, I think we might have talked about this before, but my husband and I talk about this all the time. We can have been in the exact same place, yeah. seen the exact same thing, and have a totally different story about it. And I'll yeah. be like, no, it happened this way. And he's like, no. It ha-. I'm like, we were both there. How and did that happen? And you're both convinced your way is right. Oh, right. totally mm-hmm. convinced. Yep. Yeah. So how do you sift through that? Yeah. So you just get as much information as you can from everybody. Yeah. And some of that doesn't matter because some of it's feelings anyways, more than it is facts. Yeah. Right. Like I need fact based stuff. Yes. if I'm going to prove something in court. Um, and the feeling <laughs> stuff can play into the, you know, what was sure. going on at the time too. You just, you just talk a lot. And then yeah. you go back and you talk again. And then you talk to somebody else. And then you might have to go back and re-question. And yeah, yeah I, lots of questions. Side note is I would be a horrible person to interview if you really needed details. I'm not detail-oriented at all. But I'm all about... I just remember there was this vibe and it felt yeah. really unsettling. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm all about the feeling. Yeah. I w- could not tell you when you leave tonight, I won't be able to tell you what, what you I wore, was wearing, or the but color. I'd be able like, yeah. Oh my gosh, she's just darling and she's warm. And I felt really comfortable yeah. asking her <laughs> questions. I'm, I'm very similar. So I think all the time I would be a terrible, if we were involved in a crime, I'd be terrible at it. You'd be a bad yeah. eyewitness. I would. And I'd, I'd probably get flustered and then I'd probably change my story unintentionally. I feel like, I think about this when I watch crime shows. Yeah. I would be bad in that situation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) See, but even within our police department, I wouldn't say when it comes to like, if I walk into this room and I walk out, like I could piece everything together because my brain doesn't work like that either. But even within a police department, we have all these different, like one of my really good friends, he can see a license plate and remember it like three years later. Oh yeah, that was the guy was ABC123. And I'm like, how do you remember that? And I can't do that. But then I'm more about... 
Do you remember when she said that one piece and it didn't quite fit, you know? So we yes. all have like different skills within the same agency and yeah, absolutely, you know. which makes sense. Yeah. So I'm assuming that you probably, um, over the course of all your years at school, you get to know families pretty well, mm-hmm. especially the ones that, you know, maybe have problems or, you know, are struggling with some things. Yeah. So do you feel like, how do you stay professional? How do you not let the feeling like the, oh my yeah. gosh, I love this kid. He's been... He's had X, Y, and Z happen. And I like, how do you yeah. stay? So in some ways, I don't have to have that, <laughs> that same mentality that a counselor or a teacher, you know, there's, you know, where I'm like, yeah. we need to lay it on the line. Like your parenting stinks right now. Yes. And I'm not saying I'm going to arrest you, but let's work on what to do so that I'm not arresting you at some point. So if you work mm. with me, I'll work with you and let's figure out what this looks like. Huh. I can have more of those candid conversations yes. than like a counselor can, you know? Yes. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean that everybody likes me because most people don't want to hear when they're not oh, doing what sure. they're supposed to be doing. Right. Um, but I do feel like I can say that. But I also know that you have to, you know, if people are going to change, you need to care about them too. So yeah. I have, you know, it is mm-hmm. a little different. And the the big difference is, is that when you're on patrol, you take a call, you deal with the situation. Maybe someone goes to jail, maybe someone doesn't, and then you leave yeah. and you don't really have to deal with them again. Yes. So there is an element of trying to figure out how to work with families, knowing that you're going to be here tomorrow and you're going to be here next year. And you got five other little kids that are coming up yep. yeah. um, and working with them in a way that you guys can still stay functional for the next however many years that you're working with yeah, them. Right. Totally. Which you could, I mean, in your past information on to the high school officers about these families or whatever else. So I wonder if you being a woman gives you a little bit of an edge with regards to families. I just wonder that about Mm -hmm. the difference. Do you think that that plays a role? Like, do you feel like there's moms perhaps that you have to have tough conversations with that take it it better for me? It depends because then you can also have the conflict, you know? Sure. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I think that it has helped me. Because I am more mother, maybe more mothering than some other people that I work with. Sure. Mm-hmm. But then I've got some some guys who really have, like, they're just funny and they can use that to get at people, which I don't have. Like, mm-hmm. I can't just be a comedian and get you to like me. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say, too. And, you know, people used to ask me many, many times in my career, well, what does it feel like to be a female officer? And yeah. the answer is, is I don't know any other... Yeah. Way. Way. I don't know what it feels like to be a male officer. Like this is Good just point. what I sure. am, you know. Right. So I don't know. It's hard to say. That makes sense. It totally does make sense. But I you're have still like you're still are a minority, right? Right. Like and statistically our dep- speaking. Yeah. And yeah. And actually that was one of the things that really when I was applying, I, I was looking at departments around the size of Oshkosh, Sheboygan, Appleton, kind of in that oh, area. I didn't yeah. really want to work in Milwaukee, but I wasn't really wanting to work in Amro, you yeah. know, like something where I would still get some action. Yeah. And Oshkosh at the time had about, we had, they had a, an, or the department was 99 officers. And I think there was 11 of them at the time that were females, oh, wow. which is just over 10% and is pretty good for the department. For, yeah. Oh, okay. So that was, that's high. Oh, yeah. Wow. Was, I think the national so average now is 13%, which is what we're at. Okay. Um, but back then, 20 years ago, it wasn't that high. Hmm. And I just didn't want to be like the pioneer. I wanted to come yeah. in and yes. work with males that had already worked with a bunch of females. And I, like, that just wasn't a fight that I wanted to, totally. to fight. Smart. That's yeah. smart. And do you, has it been okay? Have you? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I've yeah. never, I can't once say that I've felt 
that I was, I mean, I'm treated different because I'm a different person than every other department at our, you know, yeah. other person at our department. And all of us have different skills. And, mm-hmm. you know, we have some really big guys that if I have to go into a fight, that's who I want. Yes. Yeah. And then I have some people who are really good at talking their way out of things. Yep. Um, and, you know, okay. everyone's got So you guys skills. just know how to pull from each person's strengths. Yeah. To get the job done. Yeah. Which makes sense. That is mm-hmm. actually amazing. That yeah. was my yeah. question. I was going to just say if there's been an instance where the woman thing was an issue, but it doesn't sound like it has been. No, I mean, I do recall, like when I was working at North for a couple of years and there would be incidents where I was like, or I can tell this is going to get to be a physical thing and I might have to take someone into custody. Mm-hmm. They're definitely much bigger there than they are at the elementary school. Yeah. yeah. But then you just have to know going into it, I need to call for backup right away or I need to do this yeah. or I need to do yep. that and... You figure out how it works for you, I right. imagine. So do do you think it's nice that your co- co-workers treat you equally? Yeah. Do you feel like the general public views you different or treats you different? Um, well, the general public doesn't particularly like police officers to begin with, generally mm-hmm. speaking. Mm-hmm. So I think we get treated different as a whole. Huh. Um, so when you have your uniform on and you're running into a quick trip, you're going to get different vibe from people than if you're just there with your family filling absolutely and my kids notice that and it's funny Hmm. because they'll be like everyone stares at you and I'm like yeah I guess I don't even realize it anymore like it's just part of my job you know right but yeah yeah do your kids think it's kind of cool um I think they used to now that they're teenagers I think it's probably Uh a little less cool because I don't let them do what everybody else is doing. Everybody <laughs> else has Snapchat and every, and I'm like, well, yeah. those are my investigations. So we're not going to have that yes. yet. Or, you know, so they, they don't think it's as cool anymore, it's which I knew was coming for <laughs> sure. One of my daughter Keegan's, um, good friends, Megan, her father is a police officer. We've discussed that. And oh, I yeah. sometimes, She's a good friend of mine. Yep. And I will, um, tease Megan. And sometimes I'll tease her dad, who's the police officer and be like, if you're comfortable letting them go to this yeah. place, Jeff, fine. I will. Yeah. I'm yeah, on yeah. board. It's funny that you say that because I was looking through my son's text messages a couple a couple days ago, and one of them said, "When do you get Snapchat?" And he said, "My mom says when I'm 15." And the kid's like, "Crap!" Because my mom said I couldn't get it until you guys got it. <laughs> yes. So, so I had to take a picture of that and send it to her because I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, She's like, "Well, funny. I figure if you guys let him do it, it's got to be okay." That's what I'm I think. Okay. I'm like, yeah. I'm gonna parent after that family does, so that I understand. Yeah. <laughs> Because I feel like their barometer is going to be on the safer end. Well, do you ever feel like that? It does. You know so much more than we do of the reality of what's going on in the world and in this community. Is that hard on you? Yeah. So we've we've been learning a lot over the last couple of years about, well, trauma is kind of the big word everywhere, right? Big buzzword, yeah. Yes, the buzzword. But they're also applying that to law enforcement now and they're saying it doesn't necessarily Mm. have to be like one big thing, like a shooting or whatever, but like the trauma of constantly being in conflict with people um, throughout the course of your career, Mm -hmm. like creates this trauma over the course of your life. And I would say I see it more in my like cynicism and Mm -hmm. being less willing to like trust people. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I mean, unfortunately it does. Like you maybe were more trusting when you were younger. For sure. And some of that's probably age too, right? Or experience. Um, but even comparing myself to some really good friends that I have from high school and we all kind of, you know, lived in the same world. They're just like, you're just like tougher on, like you're less, Mm. like you're tougher on people. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, probably more judgmental or I don't know something. Uh, that was another thought I had before. Is it hard for you to not build stereotypes and assumptions as 
Because obviously I think all stereotypes are probably founded on some yeah. reality. Experience, right? right? Experience They're kind of is founded on experience. So yeah. yeah, I think probably. I mean, it's hard to say because I don't, I don't, I don't know what I'm like when I'm not a police officer. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know what I'd be like if I were a doctor or what sure. I w- what would look right. like. Um, I think I'm just cautious of everybody, maybe. A little bit of I don't know how yeah. you wouldn't be. No. I yeah. mean, you see, we are so sheltered to what is going on behind the scenes in this community yeah. for the most part. Unless, mm-hmm. God forbid, you are the victim of a crime. And then yeah. I think that veil is torn really drastically off. But right. I, um, I give you props that you're still able to smile and I see you out in public with friends and your family function like you still can you still you're still doing that you're still living your life yeah. but I can imagine it's super hard does it yeah. does it know. ever turn towards anxiety does it ever cause um, fear no I think no you know I was just having a conversation with um a group of people from a school and they were sometimes they have this idea of what people should or should not be doing Mm -hmm. where I think I'm actually a little more like, like a little more like, well, they're just people like who cares if they want to do that? Because I see like people make mistakes, like everybody makes mistakes, not Mm -hmm. just like, you know, criminals, like everybody makes mistakes that could lead to them getting in trouble at some time in their life, all of us. Mm -hmm. And so I think maybe for those things, like I'm even like, I may be less, I don't want to say judgmental, but kind of because my experiences is that, you know what? Somebody can get arrested for drunk driving and they're still a nice person at the end of the day. Like they're still going to, they still have to figure out what they're going to do to make it better and make changes in their life. But it doesn't change who they are. They still have a family and they still have kids or whatever. So I think I may be more, because I'm around so many people, I'm maybe a little less thrown off. That makes total sense. I can see how the flip side of maybe the skepticism and the less trusting is the fact that you are, you're better able to offer grace to people when they mess up because there's scales of mess ups, right? There's some that are really, really bad, some that aren't so bad. And you see the big picture where it's really easy for other people to throw stones. Right on, oh my gosh, drunk driving. Right. Or, or even with kids, it's like you work with these families and, you know, people will say, these kids need to go to foster care. And I don't mm-hmm. disagree that some kids do. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, some of the parents are doing the best that they can. They yeah, don't know yeah. any better. They weren't taught any better. They didn't have anyone to teach them. And so so we get to do that, right? Yeah. Like we get to mm-hmm. go in there and say, this isn't the rest, best way to do it. Like what can we do to help you? They don't always want the help, mm-hmm. but yeah. some of them really do and they're just trying to do their best. So, and I get to see that too, where I don't, yes. you know, it's easy, it's harder for people who don't, you know, have to live at father cars for two months out of the year or have to right. figure out how to get somewhere when you don't drive a car, you don't own a car, you know? Yeah. And yeah, then when you see what they're really trying to do, you're like, okay, like I can get that. Maybe you freaked out on your kids and mm-hmm. threw things around the room. Let's talk about what you're going to do better next time when you're stressed or whatever yeah, the case yeah. may be. I think that fits, I think, in what we believe in that nev- nobody's like too far amazing to like right. not make a big mistake or have a big fall. And mm-hmm, so right. I think that's pretty cool because I think it could be any of us, right? Tomorrow, yeah. make, make a mistake. Sure. Yeah. And you never know when you're pushed to the limit and when you're under oh, that sure. much stress, what you are capable of doing. And I'm for sure guilty of um, the whole, oh my gosh, you know, I'll hear time and time again from my kids about a certain kid at school who's behaving bad again. And I I have the tendency to lump them into the, oh, they're a bad kid bucket. And Mm -hmm. shame on me because I have no idea what that kid's dealing with at home. And you have the, you see the background of all of this stuff. So does, 
I guess my question for you on yeah. that is mm-hmm. when you see these kids who are always getting in trouble at school, mm-hmm. do you ever see, do you see happy endings there? Like where they shake out of that? Do they... Sometimes it's all about resiliency, right? Mm-hmm. So like, unfortunately, I have seen less resilient human beings over the course of my career. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. um, that's really what makes or breaks a child or a human, right? As if you yeah. like everyone's got bad things at some point. But right. I mean, you can have someone who breaks a nail and they're going to have a breakdown that they're not resilient regardless. of, Or you can have a kid who goes home every night. Nobody's home, has to make you know, a peanut butter sandwich and they still come to school and they work really hard. And that's the thing that I've really tried to, um, you know, put on kids is like, this is like, you're making this choice. Like, Mm -hmm. I get that your life kind of sucks, but so do a lot of other kids and they're still not making the choices that you're making. Right. But it's hard to explain that to a 12 year old. You know, they can't see the whole course of their life out here. It's all Mm -hmm. in the moment. Yeah. This is actually, my mom is an educator and she's been talking about how there's big talk in the education world about resiliency Mm -hmm. and that you can predict a lot of a kid's future by how resilient they are. So my husband and I have been talking about it and we're like, how do we create resiliency? How do you teach it? Right. And because some of the, some of resiliency has to come through pain, right. And hardships. And so you Mm -hmm. probably see some kids that are very resilient because they've been forced to be right. I mean, I think about our kids probably haven't been that forced to like build the resiliency muscle. Right. So I, I don't know. I'm not sure there's a point to what I'm saying. No, except for that, like, right. it's real. But what you were What's saying. What's the trend? Why do you think it's yeah, changed? Right. And how has it gotten well, I worse? I think probably we um, don't let our kids fail as much as we should. Mm-hmm. Right. We want to protect them. And right. we don't want their feelings to hurt. And we, we fight their battles for them. Um, so I don't think that that is helpful. I also think. And this is like, I am not an educator. So I come into the school and we work as a team, but we see things very differently. Yeah. I'm still very like, people need to have consequences for their behavior. They need to know what they're doing isn't excusable because they have anxiety or they're sad or they like, they still need to see that there is a consequence. Absolutely. Um, And I think that looks different than when we were in school. Um, And you've seen that change over the course of those last 20 years. Yeah. Less, what do you think that is? Less willingness to. I think stand is it I think that they can't like everyone has a right to be in a public school and get an education Mm -hmm. so when you have um a lot of kids with behavior problems what Mm -hmm. are you really supposed to do with them Mm -hmm. you still need to provide them an education yeah I don't know um so unbeknownst to us when we scheduled this interview with you Obviously, everyone in Oshkosh knows we're interviewing Deanna a week after the events at Oshkosh West right. happened. That was last Tuesday. Um, that night, all emotions are running high, mm-hmm. and I posted something on Facebook, and I never do that. I never post like anything political or any commentary. If anything, yeah. it's just a dumb picture, right? Yeah. Thank God it was on private, and I ended up being able to take it down, and no one saw it because I regretted it the second I did. But basically what it was was me just fuming about the fact that kids are given so many opportunities mm-hmm. before a consequence is given. Like why are there students who continually demonstrate aggressive behavior, disrespect to teachers? I feel like that's gotten worse. I don't think that was tolerated when I was in high school. And in fact, there was a special school kids were sent to called Metro, where if you can't behave and mm-hmm. get it together in the normal population of students, Bye-bye, you go to Metro. And those there was teachers, awesome teachers who were felt super called for that student population and loved working there 
And a lot of those kids ended up successful and fine and graduating. A lot didn't, but there wasn't 25 chances for you to be a creep Hmm, before... So there was a movement, and this is all educational stuff. I only right. work there. But there was a movement to integrate all of the different um, types of kids that, you know, I think there was research that shows that separating them or not letting right. them all work together wasn't helpful for them. I can't, I mean, I'm not research-based, so I don't know yeah, that. Sure. Um, and so that changed the dynamic of a school from mm-hmm. when you were and I were in school mm-hmm. um, where it just didn't look like that anymore. I think it's somewhat going... I don't know where it's at right now. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, even the criminal justice system, um, you know, elementary schools weren't calling the police department to deal with five-year-olds when we were little. They were able to do that on their own. And now they can't. Like, they can't They can't physically. I mean, if kids are tearing apart a classroom and kids are hiding, like, they can't physically grab them. They can't do anything. And so we're being forced to kind of take over that role because they can't. So because the rules in the schools have changed, they have to call you to do the restraining? Yeah, like a kid will run out. Like, we have a kid running out the door. They're going to run away. And I'm thinking, like, well, grab them. Like, if it's my kid and you're not grabbing him, I'm going to be ticked. But they can't just be putting their hands on kids all the time. And there's reasons for that. I'm sure there was injuries or people were doing it inappropriately. Um, but yeah, it's such so, an overcorrection sometimes because right. you, you have some, a couple of those incidents happen, which are awful and horrible. A kid touched inappropriately. A teacher got Using too mad too and too much force. But then this overcorrection of like teachers not even being able to like hug a student without being concerned. Is this going to be construed as right. inappropriate? And that was another piece of that Facebook post I put, which was <laughs> my mom is a teacher and yeah. she remembers the shift, right? Where teachers felt super supported by their principals because principals felt supported by the administration. Yeah. But then people started suing school districts and the parents started getting the entitlement came from the parents thinking you can't do that to my kid or this or that. Mm -hmm. And then it's just this trickle effect where everyone is so scared of lawsuits and so scared of all of that stuff that it's paralyzed Right. I think a little bit. That's my personal take. Again, I'm yeah. not, I give our teachers props because they have to deal with not only teaching and educating the students who are there to learn, but all dealing with all the behavioral with stuff. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's, and I do stinks. think it's increased. I remember one kid in elementary school. Um, his name was Zach. I remember that. And I remember him <laughs> because he'd be the kid like screaming and banging and we'd all be kind of freaked out. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Zachs now. Like there was one yeah. Zach in my school at the yeah. time, you know, yeah. and now there's more Zachs that I think the schools just aren't always equipped to deal with. So we sure. do, but that leads to like the juvenile system versus the adult criminal system and what we can actually really do yeah. um, mm-hmm. to help them. You know, like I have the option if a kid gets in trouble in middle school, let's say, um, they got into a fight and they punched someone and someone's got a black eye. Yeah. yeah. So I can do, you know, they can ask me to do something. They can ask me to do nothing. Sometimes they'll handle it by themselves first. If it's a kid that continuously gets in trouble, then they'll be, you know, the next step is we're going to get Officer Brandel involved. Okay. So I have the option of writing a ticket, mm-hmm. um, which I do sometimes. And we have in Winnebago County, there's a an, uh, an options program called teen court so it's kind of like an alternative if you got an underage drinking ticket you could go take like a drinking class okay kind of like that so it's a it's a class that pulls them in they learn about the criminal justice system Mm -hmm. they have to do a report or something Hmm. so if i write a ticket especially to like a middle school kid um, i will always have the parents i'm like i would really consider this this is a much better option learning tool yeah um we also have like a sexting class. So if kids are yeah. involved in that, we can right. um, refer them to that program. Okay. Um, 
I'm trying to think of what other alternative options because we have, if we're you gonna get have a vaping very soon mm. I think that's coming up yep. yeah so that's the one option is a ticket and then the next is a court referral which mm. is supposed to be equivalent to a misdemeanor for an adult which so something oh. an adult would normally go to jail for yeah I would refer a juvenile to court or to juvenile intake which is actually a part of social services okay so it starts there um, they will process the, the case as a family unit mm-hmm. and decide oh. what to do with that so they could do they could dismiss it completely. They could say, no, I think we need to consider charges on this and send it to the DA's office. They can meet with the family. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the process. So even even when I get involved, it's not like an adult where you're done, you're going to jail, and that's right. the end of it. Like it, it just doesn't work like that for the juvenile system, yeah. okay. which is also frustrating for schools because once sure. they call us, they want us – they're like, we've been giving these kids lots of chances and yeah. the system just isn't set up for us to put kids in handcuffs and take them away. It's yeah. just that wasn't the intention of the juvenile system. Yeah, which seems like sort of good to me. Yeah, right? I mean, the system like- itself is set up to help kids that, to yes. help prevent them from getting into the criminal justice system. Right. Yeah. Whatever way that means. Um, so, so what do you see? Like, what are middle schoolers dealing with right now? What are you seeing in terms of things you have to get involved in? So I would say social media is probably the biggest. Okay. Um, so is that anywhere from bullying on social media to like yeah, the sexting? Yeah, more harassing, okay. being mean to each other um, for no reason other than you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sexting. Just Huge. Seeing is that st- happening in middle school? Yeah. Yeah. A lot. A lot. Really? Yeah. Uh-huh. So sexting would be picture of your, of something or suggestive words right okay mostly pictures like we would consider sexting for our sexting class sending what they would refer to as nudes yeah and sometimes that's it's usually nudes and are are you generally being told that by like a a student is bringing their phone to school and like look what so who's what so-and-so sent me sometimes sometimes parents find it sometimes kids hear their friends are doing it and so they'll be concerned and report it yeah um actually so we have the national center for missing and exploited kids out of um virginia which you've probably heard them if there's an amber alert or something they they also have a um and a part of their agency that works on internet crimes against children Mm -hmm. and so they will flag images and stuff too like i've been assigned cases that came from the national center where they'll say we have this image from a facebook messenger account we think it's a a juvenile track it back to oshkosh and then i'd get assigned it that way too so and i do tell the kids that when i talk to them i'm like let's talk about how i would know if you sent a picture love Um, that so that happens as well okay is that like stuff in out in public or how is that stuff even tracked it's tracked because it's on the internet so it's not so somehow it's so they all have every um company is supposed to have some sort of flagging mechanism if they're allowed to have children on their site and so facebook has that and instagram well facebook and instagram are the same yeah Yeah. right now it doesn't always get tracked because let's be honest there's millions of pictures sent every day right but that's Mm -hmm. one other way we could have access okay so is that a guarantee school resource officer gets involved or do some schools handle that on their own like is that Mm, something they will always anything involving sex they will always turn over to us like they just don't want to be the middleman yeah i don't yeah that makes sense what about drugs how big of an issue in middle school is that um vaping is really big right now Mm -hmm. vaping probably more so than um other drugs Mm-hmm. But it is. I mean, I've had arrests for marijuana and pills and stuff like that in the middle schools as well. Wow. And they definitely see it more because of social media. Right. And yeah. as I'm looking through Snapchat accounts, I mean, 
they're friends with kids who are posting pictures of weed and posting pictures of yeah alcohol and oh, stuff just, that we just wouldn't have seen because we w- we didn't have those two. That's oh, right. Totally. I can sit on the couch next to one of my high school kids and they could show me within a span of five minutes. They could probably show me three people that are posting pictures of themselves smoking weed. And right. I'm like, why? Like yeah. that you're so dumb. These kids are so dumb. Yeah. They're so dumb. But at the same time, probably they're getting away with it because right. we can't track all that stuff. Right. 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 Or the so. average parent can't for sure. Right. Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, my kid could, I'm, I'm pretty involved in my kids' lives and I know them really well and they could totally put images out that I would miss. Right. right. For sure. Super easy. Yeah. I, um, I tell my kids all the time, I'm like, you have no idea what actually, like, so you think Snapchat is yeah. secret. Mm-hmm. Nothing is. Like, if someone really wants to get to that information, mm-hmm. they can. So you just have yeah. to be so smart with that and careful. And I hate that it's at their fingertips like that to see totally. those things. Kids are just so much less innocent for sure. These days. Yeah, oh, for sure. Well, so we, uh, Stacy alluded to a little bit ago, but we had a pretty big incident happen in our school last week, and we're not going to talk about the case mm-hmm. um, specifically with you. But you were the resource officer at this middle school that all of our high schoolers were ran to or were right. sent to. Were you there at the time? No, I actually responded to West with oh, you did. the rest of our department and okay. Okay. many other agencies. And at the time was asked to assist with the reunification and to go back to Tipler. Okay. And so that's why I went. I mean, I wasn't, I was actually going to be working at Tipler that day anyways. I hadn't made it there yet. Okay. Um, okay. But that's why I was asked to go help I'm, with that. Can you tell us a little bit about once that incident happened, how quickly was the Ashkosh Police Department notified that that went down? So we were notified immediately by yeah. Officer Wissink. Okay. Um, that's, we carry radios and I think So he was able said, to grab that and or be like... somehow get on the radio okay. and um, I think the first officer was there within two minutes. Yeah, that's what so, I heard too. My wow. kids said that. Yeah. They think that the officers were there before the kids even knew anything was going Probably. on. Probably. Like okay. it was yeah. so quick. That's amazing. So yeah. in... All these years, our kids have been practicing these, they mm-hmm. call it Alice drills, right? How to mm-hmm. respond when these things happen. And I, I've been wondering, is this causing, is this causing more trauma for our kids to be practicing this stuff now that it's happened here? <laughs> I certainly am glad that my kids knew what yeah. to do and mm-hmm. where to go and, and mm-hmm. what to happen. But I mean, my scariest thing as a kid was a tornado drill. I was mostly scared of tornadoes, right? Because mm-hmm. we would have to go in the hallway and cover up our head right. during a tornado drill. I just am in in disbelief that my kids have had to practice it now, let alone they've had to actually handle it. Put it into, pra- um, yeah. But what what do you think? Do you feel like that's, like, in your 20 years in the schools, is this, obviously now it's happened in our community, but uh, any thoughts on the trend of increasing it or? Well, I am always, I'm like a big advocator of we need to practice it because mm-hmm. let's just look around and it's like a matter of time before something happens. Mm-hmm. I I'm probably less observant on people's feelings and more observant in the moment on let's get, let's like follow the task at hand. So I can't speak to if they're feeling anxiety or not over it or it's, I mean, it's definitely scary. To me, it's not any scarier than watching the nightly news though. And we're talking about it in a way that we're going to keep you safe. Right. So I've always been a real big advocate of doing Alice and actually helped quite a bit with some of that training and implementing it to the teachers. Yeah. Yeah, it's sad. I mean, it's super sad that we have to do that. I think about, you know, 
eight years ago, our schools weren't even locked. Like you could get into totally. any school, Absolutely. any of them. So things have just changed over time. Now they're locked. That was a fight for us in the beginning. Mm-hmm. We need to lock our schools. And mm-hmm. the people, well, we want our schools to be open. We want families to be welcome. Yeah. And, and we fought that fight for a while. Then yeah. we got through, but okay, we do too, but it's not that way. We can't do that. We need to have our schools locked. Yeah. Um, they wouldn't know who was in their schools half the time. There's totally. people walking around. I'm like, do you know that guy? Well, no. So, I mean, things have just changed over time in a lot of different ways, especially since when I first started as a school resource officer. And unfortunately, it's just where we're at and it needs to happen. Yeah. Yep. Well, you mentioned before that the general public doesn't like police officers, correct? Mm -hmm. My, which is, I can totally see that because what, right. We don't, we're all afraid of getting in trouble. We don't want to get in trouble. Right. The, the cool part is that my kids already had relationships with officer Wissink. Yeah. And they really like him. Yeah. They have he's always liked like. him. It's not just, he's not just being liked now because we think he's a hero. Like yeah. he was liked and respected and trusted before he's helped. He helped my daughter with a specific incident in high school. And so I think that you guys must be a special kind of person, right? That you're willing well, to Well, we have the, the opportunity and, that patrol officers don't yeah. have. We have opportunity to be around people when they're not in their worst yeah. situation. Like on, on patrol, for the most part, you're getting called when like... Crisis. A crisis is going down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so it, that's guys, lucky. That's another reason why I've been doing it so long because it isn't always crisis. Yeah. Like there's a lot of good things that we get to do in this role totally. with kids and families too. So yeah. that is... And I actually think, like your point, my kids also have a very positive connotation of police officers, right? Mm -hmm. They're about safety. They're about good versus evil. And so I think having officers in the school and leading D.A.R.E. and doing things like that, it just opens their eyes to, no, these are people who are on my side. Right. And I think that's awesome. And I was reading an article after all the events last week at Oshkosh and then in, um, was it Waukesha? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was talking about school resource officers and how some districts have banned them and mm-hmm. some more are coming online with it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm so thankful that we have oh, yeah. officers in our school. It makes me feel safe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We just switched. We used to drive um, like unmarked detective cars. We had yeah. those for many, many years, which I liked because you're kind of more incognito yes. yeah. mm-hmm. for some of my investigations. But when our... Um, Chief, our our most recent chief, Dean Smith, who I think he said he was here for five years, which time flies. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of years ago, he said, we want people to know that there's officers in schools because and they like to see the squad car. Mm-hmm. And we kind of fought that. We're like, oh, that's dumb. We don't want to do that. But I really do believe that when you drive past a school as a parent and you see that there's a squad car parked out there, there is a little element. Oh, for sure. Safety. I yeah. give them a little honk honk move. at Oakwood when I drop my kid off. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Watch my it just makes me feel safe. Yeah. So. Yeah. Do you, I mean, I'm trying to think of like when would I have ever got a negative connotation about a cop and it was probably well, everyone's been pulled over. Ticket. I mean, I can yeah. tell you when I was pulled over and got a ticket and I thought that guy was a real jerk. And I mean, everyone's got a story like that. That's right? what I was thinking. So. That's when I got my first $214 ticket or whatever. That yeah. <laughs> but even like, when oh, that happens, yeah. you can't really get mad because no, you were the do. one breaking the law. I and right. I remind myself of that when that's happened. Right. And I, th- th- I think what it is, is then... And you're probably maybe better at that because I don't even. I'm like, are you serious? Like, I, I fall into the like, don't you have anything better to do? Aren't there any crimes? You know, and I'm like, oh, wait, I get really. But that's where you go. And I get I that. Well, and we all. So this is where I think sharing stories is important because I think we all can. We can justify our own behavior so right. easily. Right. Like I had a really good reason for speeding or mm-hmm. whatever right. it is. And so, but whatever. That's just justifying bad behavior. Right. Lots of times I too. will tell you, I, it's probably an emotional reaction to say 
the majority of the population feels that way because we certainly have not felt that way in the last week. The amount of support that we're eating. If you walk into mm-hmm. our break room right now, there is food. Like before I left, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of hungry. I grab. I mean, people are donating food and they're calling and asking what they can do for us. There's there's cards everywhere for Mike Wissink. And so that's not fair to say because in a time like this, then the support really, really does come out. Well, I've actually been that. really, I've been really pleased with the way our community has loved you guys. I, I think at least that's the sentiment yes, I'm hearing. Sure. I'm glad you're feeling it, but mm-hmm. that's what people are saying. We're so thankful. Totally. I also think it was really cool. You guys, your department provided breakfast for our kids yeah. the first morning back. I really? thought that was so that special. Cool. That was a really cool thing to be a part of that day. Because it just was something everybody needed, I think, before they walked back in that building. Absolutely. Um, And, you know, I'll I'll go back to the Tipler reunification because I have been saying for a week now how impressed I was with how everything went down. I mean, for Mm -hmm. being the situation that it was, I mean, from the teachers who had just been a part of a crisis themselves to now step up and go, what do you need us to do? And we had a process in place and parents, even though they knew their kids were safe, needed to see them and they were not freaking out and being rude for the majority of them were being and they had to wait a while because we mm-hmm. needed to make sure we had what we needed to release everyone. Um, it was just it went down, I think, as 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 perfectly as it could have under Absolutely. the circumstances. Oh, I totally it gives agree. me goosebumps thinking about that and just how it felt like a well oiled machine. Yeah. And, and everyone- the kids like they we're in a small gym. I mean, the Tipler's gym is not meant for right. an entire high school. Correct. It was hot in there. Mm-hmm. They were thirsty. They had to go to the bathroom. Yeah. And I mean, for the most part, they all just, they just did what we asked them to do. And, and it was yeah. good. It's cool to see a community come together after something like that. And thank God, Officer Wiesink is okay. Yes. And I was at school on Monday. We got a notification that oh, there was yeah. going to be a police escort. Were you yeah. in that? Yes. Yes. That was very I cool. was falling. It was really yep. neat to see the schools out on one side of Eagle. Parents are lined up on another side and there had to have been 25 police cars. Right. Oh, at, with their yeah. lights like a on, honking. <laughs> People are cheering. Officer Wiesink was there. He had just been released from the hospital, right. I think. So just was a really cool moment for the community to be like, we're in this together right. and we have the support of the Oshkosh Police District. And that was, it was awesome. Yeah. It was for us as well. Yeah. Um, so you feel supported. That's what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. Do you feel any more anxious going in the future? Or do you feel like, no, I now I know how our community can respond or. I think that we live in a world where we're always thinking that that can happen. You that's are. part mm-hmm. of our training. Yeah. They train us to be stressed right. out because they want to mm-hmm. know that you can handle it. Yeah. Um, I feel sad. I feel sad mm-hmm. that our community had to go through that, mm-hmm. you know, I don't feel more scared or more nervous about being at school because in my head, I knew that something like that has the potential to happen anywhere yeah. at mm-hmm. any time. And you've been getting ready. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. I have a son who's, uh, I think I mentioned to you earlier, but he's he's the worst case scenario planner. And he was like, I think he was... He was like, oh, I've been waiting for this moment. Like, I've been ready. I've been knowing what's going to happen. Like, he's <laughs> in every class, he said he he's planned out how he's going to step up. He wasn't even close to it. He didn't have to do anything. But he was a little bit like, yeah, we're, we're all ready for it to happen. Yeah. So. And then you're kind of like, and I thought that too. I'm thinking, like, nobody seems super traumatized right now. Is that bad? Like, should they, like, are they yeah. almost desensitized to it? Because we've been talking about it so much. Yeah. But that's that means they weren't there. They didn't, they didn't experience the worst of what it was. And mm-hmm. we... We trained them well. They didn't have to freak out and worry. They knew that this is the plan and this is where I go and yeah. this is what I do next. Right. And Well, and maybe this is a piece of building the resiliency, right? Because hard things are going to happen the rest of their lives. For right. sure. And traumatic, horrible things will happen in some of our lives. And to see the way that 
we could rally together and we could love each other. My kiddos found each other right away and were able to just be a support for each other, even okay. though they, they're not best of friends all the time, you know, yeah. it mm-hmm. just, we That's got to see some really cool things happen. And yeah. And honestly, sure. as, as a parent, I was actually out of the country. I was in Brazil. Oh, so no. all of a sudden I got a phone call from my daughter who's away at college and it, it just was like, it was horrible to be away, but I, I felt loved and supported from afar. Kids who were like, my friend who's Corey, who's our emergency contact, she was on it right away. She had my kids. Like, people texting my kids, people calling, people bringing stuff over. Just, it was really special in a way even to see that. Right. For me, like yeah. how the community can step in and love and help when you're not available. Other. Yeah. And w- I mean, not that I needed to be here, um, but I really wanted to be here. But people loved my kids even when I wasn't here. And so mm-hmm. it's right. been a cool... I don't, I, I don't want this again. I'm not thankful it happened, but it's been very cool to see the power of love and grace and care that our community has had. I agree. Mm-hmm. What does it look like inside the police department when an officer gets hurt? Like yeah. what does, how does that affect everybody? Um, well, first of all, we're all supposed to be tough and not be sad and all those things. Totally. But <laughs> I think initially like you get into like, like it was at Tipler, like there's a job to do. Everyone has a thing. What do you need us to do? And then when you kind of decompress, we do. We had counselors there the day of. We have mm-hmm. our supervisors constantly asking, are you OK? Do you need to take off? And then really we get the support from each other. So all mm-hmm. I wanted in the next day was to be around my five school resource officers. Like yeah. we needed to talk to each other. And in fact, that night I had heard that um, Sonny Gogo, who was the North officer, was the first person um, to go into West, which came out in the mm-hmm. criminal complaint today. And I'd heard that. So I'm like, I'm not leaving this building until I can see him. And yeah. so that's what we do. What do you mean the first person to go into West? To go in, He was the first person to respond to West after. No way. Uh, yes. He had to bend actually at central office for something or something. Okay. And so yeah. he had gone over there. So yeah. So I'm like, I'm not leaving until I can talk to him and yeah, I'm not leaving yeah. until I can talk to Tony Flagg who works at Merrill and, and Tracy Roboski who works at Webster. Yeah. And then we just talked and then we had to see Mike and then we had to. Did you guys you know, see him in the me, hospital? We or did. did you, yep. Yeah. I, I visit, we visited him a couple times. Um, and then I needed to get back to the schools because then, then I felt mm-hmm. like <clears throat> being around South Park and my Tipler people who I'd worked with for so many years, yeah. then I needed to make sure they were okay. So I think that you just, like anybody else, you just all come together when, when crappy things happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, even the dude that you can't stand working with, they're now your best friend. Yeah. Right. You know, for a small other. period of time, right. you're like, Until you're next awesome. Week when I'm like, that's right. I thought you were annoying. But yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's I think what we're I doing. makes sense, especially for the five of you, because that could, that could be you. That what, that is you. Right. Mm-hmm. He's you. And, and so. everyone deals with it differently. So we always have like a stress debrief after any critical incident. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we had a couple of them after this. And actually one of them was last week. And then they, they did one yesterday. And some people went to it. And I was just kind of in a like, I don't want to talk about it today. And that was yeah. And maybe if it were to been the day before, I would have went. And mm-hmm. and everyone just has their own way to deal with it. And we just keep checking in with each other. And for sure. Yeah. And some of the some of the like lag effects of the emotions might not be for a while. Right. Right. Absolutely. Do you know and can you even share? Um, is Officer we going to be back at work? Is he- I don't. I think it's really just too early to tell. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. the kids are like, "Will he be back at school? Will he be back at our school?" Yeah. And I'm like, "I don't. I have no idea how that goes." So yeah. And he shared that he has another surgery coming up in a couple of weeks and then I just okay. think it's like at this point whether or not he's going to have mobility in his um yeah injured wrist and hand is just kind of okay for sure Wait, we're waiting to see where that's going to go yeah yeah from a emotional place do you think he'd be willing to come back and, and I don't do know I think that's too early to tell as well yeah for sure totally. he's a, he's a 
he's a really tough dude. Um, yeah. And it, it, everyone's really lucky that it was him that was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'll be okay. He's in the military. He's he's yeah. had other things happen in his life that, and he'll he'll get through it. And he's got a good support system. But For sure. I awesome. certainly don't think he's ready to walk back in the building today. Yeah, no, I don't think I would be either. Gosh, I think something was messed up if yeah. he was <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, ho- hopefully he will continue to feel the support and love that people feel towards him now. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's and actually probably very uncomfortable for him. Oh, he's kind of more of a like, I just want to be in the woods by myself. Yeah. So <laughs> even the though he needs might... to see all this, it's probably kind of driving him crazy. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, it's been yeah. so good yeah. having you on here. Yeah, thank oh my you. gosh. I have so many other questions we may have to do around round two. <laughs> I know. I'm like, we we talked about three or four things before to talk about that we didn't even get we to. We never so said to. We have to get there. I know. Danis, you you guys do an awesome job. We're grateful yes, yeah. and we appreciate it. And yeah, thanks I'm just for proud. Giving up. I'm proud to be part of this community with such an awesome place yeah. behind it. Thank you very much. You and personally, you gave up a night warm in your house with jammies on. Yes. Well, I know. So thank you. This is a nice ambiance here, so it's okay. <laughs> awesome. Thanks. Thanks so much. Right. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much, Deanna, for joining us and being honest and real about what it's like to be a police officer. I don't know. I hope you guys were as encouraged and appreciative as Stacy and I were. Um, hey, it's Christmas time. Remember, you can also get your pasties and your did I say right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Pasties and Christmas cookies from vergonibakery.com and use the promo code WIL to get your 10% off. And also find us on social media. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. We would appreciate it. And, um, you know, friends, we just love you. We can't believe we get to do this little gig and it's because you're listening. So Merry Christmas. We'll talk to you later.